0: Previously on Round Ball Roundup.
1: It's not calculated. It's, it's sort of w- whatever in the moment feels natural.
0: You seem like a good good dapper at least. Well, well thank you. You could be a good dance partner, I right, bet. You've gone way too far. <laughs> in the playoff, Gary
1: Payton was posting up talking crazy to John Stockton. Sloan put me on him. I said, now pick on somebody your side. I'm going to put you down there too, rookie. Come on, rookie. I was like, yeah, that's GP, boy. 1.2 seconds left. The Jazz will have the ball. Conley's on the near side. He runs toward the ball. And Bogdanovich pops to the corner. He's open for three. Got it! Boyan Bogdanovich! Jazz wins!
0: Ingles hold it. Fakes a pass. Finds Bogdanovich. Contested three. Good! Boyan Bogdanovich!
1: Boyan Bogdanovich, say it again! Boyan Bogdanovich! The other night when Rudy fouled out against the Pelicans, it was like the house was on fire. Because he just does everything defensively. And oh, by the way, he led the league in dunks last year. And he's second this year to Austin Campo, which, you know, you're basically second to an alien. Yannis Atetokounmpo. I don't buy any new stuff, so... Alema tries much harder than I do, and he's really good at it. I think my shock shoe game, if you combine the both, is the best. Thorough suit game is the best, but overall, Alema brings it every night. You know, there, there's certain guys when they're on the floor, you know, you, you can't wait to see how they're going to score next. Donovan certainly is one of those guys, and so is Jordan. They know who they are, and even though they haven't won every game, they haven't been a, they haven't been a lot of blowout.
0: Did you see it? Did you enjoy it? Basketball back on your television. It will be back tonight. Jazz Suns in a scrimmage on at and Sportsnet. We'll speak to Craig Jack in just a moment. This is Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga. As we get you set for the first of three scrimmages, got the heat on Saturday and then the Nets on Monday, Craig will give you insight on what you'll see on your screen, the viewing experience, what that will involve. And he'll opine on the storylines with this team coming in, because there have been a lot over this hiatus. I, for one, can see how dizzying it can be. He had Rudy Gobert contract the virus on March 11th, or at least test positive. Donovan Mitchell the next day. The two stars open up about their relationship. Rudy spoke to Taylor Rooks and Tim McMahon. Mike Conley, when we were young and naive, he won a horse competition. Boyan Bogdanovich underwent wrist surgery. He's out for these seating games. George Niang and Joe Ingles both started podcasts. The whole team engaged in the quarantine cookbook. Everybody cooks. So many chefs in the kitchen. And as we've seen with this country and the league... Players are getting involved in the social justice initiatives that are long overdue. You saw Nigel Williams-Goss here in Salt Lake. Jordan Clarkson joined protests in L.A. And Donovan Mitchell continues to elevate the message of Breonna Taylor's killing. It's inescapable for this country. and It's something, and with the players having a platform, they're going to use it. It all leads to Orlando, where it'll be a whole new game, and... By all means, be my guest, have all the takes that you have, launch into them after the first couple of scrimmages, who's going to win the championship, will there be an asterisk? Well, in my opinion, this whole experience, it'll make a man out of you. And as a result, we'll have round ball roundups plenty. Usual publishing schedule, Monday, Friday... Today's a little different because we got the scrimmage on Thursday. Next week, if you wear your mask, one on Wednesday to preview the seeding game on Thursday. There will be an opportunity to talk about the Rudy and Donovan relationship and boy on not being with the team. So don't worry, we'll get to it. We have more opportunities on Round Ball Roundup next week to dive into those topics. And to keep the pod schedule going, help others find the show. Like, subscribe, Rate, review, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get the podcast. Make sure you let others know. We've done great. Nearly half a million people have downloaded Round Ball Roundup, Ingles Insight, George Yang's Drive and Dish, and The Note. Let's help everybody find us. But right now, I want to let you hear from Craig Bowlerjack. He's the TV play-by-play voice on at and Sportsnet, and he'll let you know what will be on the screen. What will the viewing experience for you, the fan, be like? He won't be around nineteen thousand friends at Vivint Smart Home Arena when he broadcasts tonight's game. Has he ever prepared for a fanless game? That's where we started. Here's that conversation with Bowler.
1: Hello, JP. Uh, this is all new. It's like um, maybe learning how to swim, and they just throw you in the pool. I mean, yep. that's I can think about it how it's gonna be uh, on Thursday night. Uh, I'm excited uh, to get back at it, but it's under the most extreme, odd situation ever. You know, I thrive off fans. I love talking to them. Uh, I like for them to be a part of what we do. I mean, Jazz Nation, as you know, (laughs) is about as raucous and uh, intense and dedicated of any fan base in the NBA. So, uh, I'll be at the arena. Uh, it'll be about five of us in the arena that holds about 19,000. So uh, it's going to be lonely in there, but we'll, we'll do our best. I'm excited for what the league has told us, and we were on a long conference call, as you and I were talking earlier, about some of the innovations they've come up with to try to make this experience uh, as, well, enriching, but I would say dynamic. And b- still bring the game to the fan. I think it's so important after this long layoff. I think I'm hoping from what we talked about, all of this comes to fruition and we get ourselves a good ball game. And you know, we got a month's worth coming up. You know, and maybe a little bit more. So we'll see how it goes. A capacity
0: COVID crowd of what thirty people inside of a 19,000 uh,
1: building? I don't even think. I think we may be less than maybe 10 people in that building to, on Thursday night. Uh, we've got some in the truck. Some in, some out, uh, outside. So I know that Thurl will be on one side of me down the row. Uh, Locke and Boone will be opposite side of the arena. Kenny will be in the building uh, on her little porch. And then let's see. Next week when we actually start the seating games, Alema will join us for pre- and post-game show. So it's a pretty small crew. Uh, and most of the brains, obviously, are in the truck and outside. We just front it, and hopefully we'll bring uh, the best product we can.
0: How did you approach prep? Because I just know from my, my point of view, we had a season, and then we had a break yes. over 100 days where we weren't doing anything, and then now back to games. How did right. you approach getting back into the basketball groove and, and diving back into the stats and stories of these players?
1: Well, I try to get smarter. I grew, I grew a Fu Manchu, uh, whatever. It that looks is. great. You know, I don't know if it's. We're gonna have. I think we're gonna ask fans if I should keep it or clip it. I'm not sure what tomorrow. But I've never had. I'd say I've never, I've never had face there. This is a big bet for my kids. I got three sons, and they dared me uh, over this COVID uh, virus break to to grow it, and it drives me crazy. But we'll see how it goes. You know, getting back to your question, honestly, uh, I try to keep in tune with everything i mean we've got a lot of subjects to talk about jp as you know i mean it goes beyond basketball there's racial issues that we have to address black lives matter uh obviously the bubble obviously the jazz and you know without bogdanovich so i just every day i just try to build notes and uh, if you can see my desk i've got them all over the place and it's crazy looking but for some reason i guess after all these years i just kind of know where to go but i'll show you this real quick this is uh this is just already what i've done and i'm still building it but everyone says do you memorize i said yeah most of it but these are just small little bullet points uh that remind me of, of things uh mike conley um you know and his 35 starts and what he did over the last uh, 13. I mean he played much better basketball uh, prior to the COVID shutdown, and so all these little things I just try to throw about three nuggets per player, and that includes the Suns. I mean we know Ricky Rubio uh, as about as well as anybody, uh, being a former Jazz man. So uh, you know I just make little notes during the course of the night, and I don't know how it's going to be you know calling the game off this jumbotron, but We'll be prepared. We'll be ready to go. And I look at it as a as a great challenge, and and hopefully we'll uh, we'll pull it off.
0: And I'm sure they'll have a GoPro figured on on YouTube trying to get those reactions. They've been great for Utah Jazz's social throughout the season. Oh yes. How are you going to get that nonverbal communication between you and Thurl? Because you'll have to be separated. I'm sure.
1: Yes. Uh, he'll be on one end of our broadcast position. this year, we're up. Uh, So we've we've left the floor, and uh, we'll probably be eight to ten feet. But I'll make sure contact. I mean, you can always throw something at him, and uh, to try to get that emotion. And I'm not worried about it. I think we'll we'll have eye contact uh, during you know timeouts, free throws, uh, commercial breaks, and so we'll, we'll be able to communicate, take the headset, you know, have a talk. I do know that we wear a mask in and out, and we take it off only when we're broadcasting. So uh, I don't think I'm going to see too many people, uh, honestly, at the arena. Uh, I come in my own way. I go up an elevator. I go to my seat, call the game, you know, wave it Thurl, wave it KK. Uh, and I doubt if I see Boone and Locke because they're actually on the opposite side of the Jumbotron. Now, I probably will hear Locke, as you know. Uh, his voice does carry. Um, but <laughs> okay. You know, we're talking, we're kind of talking in to the jumbotron, right? You know, maybe we negate each other. I don't know. We're going to find out real soon how that goes.
0: And how are you guys going to use Matt Harpering, another analyst that you guys have? Well, this
1: is another incredible technical, uh, hopefully it's an achievement. I haven't seen it happen or work yet, but, you know, Matt's got a, he's got a family of five. And he lives in Atlanta. So trying to get him back and forth is impossible. So what the Jazz have done, along with the NBA, um, they've set up, technically, I don't know, it's some sort of a, <clears throat> it's still, it's not a delayed line, but he's gonna be able to watch the game in real time. And then I'll be able to, what you and I are doing in real time, uh, Skype him. And he'll join us from what I understand, uh, between probably quarters or the beginning of each quarter. And then what he'll be doing during the course of the game is in contact with Travis Henderson back in Salt Lake at the truck. He'll say, pull these two plays. I want to talk about pace. I want to talk about the eye contact, if that's the case with Gobert and Donovan. That's going to be a huge story as well to see how these two body language and how this all is working. Uh, Or maybe the three ball comes into play. So." uh, we'll, I'll, I'll, bring him in, uh, by way of Skype and then they'll be ready for him and they can overlay highlights while he just, while he talks it. That's the plan. I hope it works, because uh, I want his input and Thurl has his own way of doing it. Um, it's difficult to have two, two different analysts because both have different styles and I kind of split time with both of them, uh, throughout the course of the year, but I think it's going to be good. I think we'll get a an interesting take uh, from Thurl and I together, but Matt away, tucked away in Atlanta. Maybe he sees the game a little differently than we will. It'll be interesting to see. It sounds like you'll be the ultimate traffic
0: cop, a little inside the NBA type I of just action. need a whistle.
1: I mean, that's all. You know? Exactly. Over here, buddy. Come this way. But, no, I did. Travis, and you know Travis, our producer, and Jeremy Bruner, J.B., Uh, Those two guys are are very talented. Uh, You know, I can't say enough about Trav. He's been at the um, Olympic level, network level, uh, highly respected, and he's been really a big part of how this whole whole setup has been put together by the NBA. So it's good to have him on our side, JP, in the truck, because I think he's going to be a little bit better acquainted with what they want to do and how we're going to do it.
0: Well, and you've experienced their job as well. I was reading Hot Rod's memoir, and it mentioned you were his analyst for a time. So yes. you know the participation between play-by-play man and the jock. In this instance, you were the jock.
1: Yeah, and that's something. Hot Rod, number one player taken was it fifty-eight? Uh, and here I am uh, going to tell him what what's right and wrong in a game. When I came to town, JP, you know, things happen quickly. Uh, Nance, Jim Nance and I became immediate friends, and he was there for less than four months and went to CBS to do the college football scoreboard show. That opened up uh, a long run at BYU football basketball, and then I got called into the office one day, and they said, oh, by the way, you also uh, are going to be able to do – color for Hot Rod and the Jazz, and I just, I thought, wow, the NBA, are you kidding? But I was a little uh, freaked out about it, because again, uh, what do you tell Hot Rod Hundley, or what would you tell Jerry Sloan if that was the situation, and, but we really kind of made it more of a, of just a really fun talk and discussion about what we both saw on the floor. There was very little analytics at that time, JP, compared to what we see today. So it was more me looking at nuggets of what a player had done, where he'd been, uh, maybe a little streak I'd get from a, a, an analyst. But Hot Rod was great. We, he put me under his arm. I was 24 at the time, and we just built a great relationship. I miss him, and we had, we had, we had some great stories. I'll tell you real quick. I remember we were in L.A. Uh, doing the Lakers game, and he is king of L.A. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. And we were on the floor doing our stand-up, and I have my back. You know, I'm looking out to the camera. The basket is right behind me. Guess who's shooting warm-up shots? Magic Johnson. And right about mid-sentence, he puts up a jump shot, comes up short, a rare moment, right? That ball ricochets as hard as it could possibly ricochet and knocks me square in the back of the head. My, it hits me so hard that it knocks the microphone out of my hand and hot rod starts to actually cry. <laughs> uh, and he put the microphone down and walked, walked away for a minute and came back. And I tell you what, I probably had a good 10 or 15 seconds of just a thud ringing in my head. And magic comes over and goes, Hey man, 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 I am so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I said, no, no I believe you. I, I know you didn't because you usually make them. <laughs> but the hot rod cried laughing, and we never forgot that story, and many more, many more as well. But uh, I't trade I wouldn't trade those days for anything. We had a great time.
0: What did he teach you about broadcasting? Because you went to broadcasting fuel, you have a lot of training in this. He yeah. learned it on the fly. What did he teach you about the job that you would eventually take over for him?
1: I, I think uh, what I learned was the more ad-lib. Uh, abilities that you have to have. Notes are one thing, but conversations the other. You know, when I was in college, that was the one thing we really were drilled on is that, you know, bullet points and not a script. And so I've always taken that to heart. When I was at KSL, and you know, I was on the air in Topeka and Wichita. So about 17 years as a sports anchor. And I wrote a lot of my stuff. I wrote all of it, actually. 99.9%. And people always thought, you know, someone wrote it for you, and you just walked in at 10 minutes to 10, and, and you did your show. But I, I cut my own highlights. I love to write. But what I would do is I was always write the intro. So I got it right, and I could get myself into an ad-lib all the highlights that I did. And I just thought it was better to put emotion of the moment into it. And that's how I try to call the game. And Hot Rod did too. He His prep In the world today, it'd be harder for him because there's so much more analytics, more graphics. Uh, As you said earlier, J.P., a traffic cop, and you have to be really on where we're going and what the promo is and what the rollout count is to a commercial break, And, and you almost have to have a second channel of audio. I think Hot Rod knew as things were beginning to change in the league that the television side was beginning to become much more complicated. And when they decided to break off the simulcast, you know, he started in radio and he said, Hey Bowler, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish in radio. So we had a long talk and he gave me his blessing. I want you to do the jazz. And when he said that, I, I just, you know, waited to see if the jazz agreed. I was still at CBS and I tried to balance both. And CBS was cool with it, and the jazz were as well. I missed you know, six or seven games, but CBS came first and uh, Steve Brown would fill in for me. But, you know, what I learned was just to go with the flow and, you know, take it seriously, obviously, but also, you know, in live television, live radio, it's not always going to be perfect. And so in that regard, I just try to let things bounce. I learned to let things bounce off, but I also try to learn to learn what went wrong. So I won't have, so it won't happen again.
0: What's your favorite part of the broadcast?
1: The unknown. People ask me that all the time. Like, have you done your best game? I said, well, look, I've been to the Olympics. I've been lucky. I've been to – I've witnessed the L.A. riots. Um, I, I was in Atlanta when a bomb went off. Here I am, COVID-19 uh, experience on March eleventh, 2020, which we'll, I'll never forget. Um two NBA championship runs with a guy named Malone and another guy named Stockton and the great Jerry Sloan, you know, I, 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 I just love the interaction and the unknown. I, I prepare for both. Cause I, sometimes I've done games, especially in the NFL at CBS when they said, ah, you know, it's going to be a blowout and uh, well, you know what, that's not going to happen. I called a game. Uh, when the Jets beat the Patriots, and the Jets were were you know were 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 on the bottom. They of were the pile. Jets. Yeah, they're the Jets, man. And that was about the time Brady was just kind of strolling into the league, and he was a hot topic, and people were kind of like feeling like that people were just going to just you know bend over and die in front of him just because he was Brady. But I think that's what you learn is that these that everyone is competitive at this level, <clears throat> and it's it's in business too. But when you put yourself on a field or on a court, on a pitch, whatever it may be, a diamond, there is always that opportunity for the upset. And I love it because it just makes the game intense and fans become more either outraged or engaged. And I think I've never called the perfect game, and if I ever do, I retire. You know, or if I feel like that's the game, that's it. I don't think that will ever happen, JP. I think every game has such uniqueness to it that I, uh, I just, I'm addicted. i got to be honest, I'm addicted to my job, and I, I look forward to every time I put on a headset because you never know the outcome. And that's, that's really the true beauty of sport.
0: Well, one guy that has certainly given you these unexpected outcomes, he won't be with the Jazz in this restart. Boyan Bogdanovich, a couple of game winners during yeah. his time with the Jazz. How do you think that loss affects this team uh, as they get into this restart?
1: You know, my take is I think the Jazz may be a little faster on their their tempo. Um, I think you'll see them maybe move the ball a little quicker. Uh, I think Quinn's part of this equation too, JP, because you heard him say maybe 10, 12 days ago that maybe he ran practice a little too heavy when everybody came together, you know, back in October. And I think he kind of thinks that maybe just let these guys be free and easy. Defense still plays a factor, but I I think they're going to probably be more more up and down the floor. I mean, Bogey can run, and he can finish at the rim. But I think, again, it's harder to replicate 20 points by any player, and he's a 41% three-point shooter. So that puts pressure on Conley. It puts pressure on Joe. It puts pressure on George Niang, and I think it also gives Jordan Clarkson more green lights to put the shot up. I wouldn't be surprised if we even see Emmanuel Moutier a little bit, because he he brings speed to the floor with Clarkson. I was always intrigued by the two on the floor at the same time, uh, so if if Quinn decides to run Conley with that second unit, or maybe he runs Moutier with Jordan Clarkson, I don't know, but I think I think there's more options for Quinn. They're going to miss him and you don't make up 20, but someone's going to get more shots and who that player is. Uh, if, you know, you think off the top it's Donovan, but I liked what he said a few days ago as he continues his maturation. JP is I'm still got to learn to pass the ball better and pass the ball more. That probably means Gobert. That probably means Conley, Uh, That probably means, um, Clarkson, Niang, and Joe all make it two to three touches more a game, and that's how you try to make up that 20 points. But someone's going to have to be on. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Donovan's going to have to score. Joe's got to find his three-point range. Clarkson's going to have to be a dynamo off the bench. So, you know, hopefully they get through it, and hopefully Bogey gets better. He's on the mend. I hear he's doing great. And by December, when this – hopefully this next season starts up, You know, the Jazz will be at full strength.
0: What have you made of those first-year guys with this team beyond Boyan? You have the Jordan that you mentioned, Mike Conley, Emmanuel Moutier, the rookies. What have you made of those first-year guys?
1: Well, again, let's start with Mike because I think, you know, the the pressure of him fitting in quickly was well-documented. You know, the so-called experts, you know, around the league, they're, they don't hesitate saying, man, the Jazz are going to be a, a top dog in the West. You know, that's a lot of pressure, especially when you've been 12 years in one town, one system, basically with uh, Marcus Soule and a pick and pop, and he and he has the ball in his hands. I'm speaking of Mike all the time. Um, I was probably surprised of how difficult it was for him to pick up the offense, but also for him to to, I think, uh, realized that the ball was just not in his hands. It was a Donovan ball. It was a Mike Conley ball. It was a Joe Ingles basketball. Uh, one thing Quinn does, he likes to, you know, everybody gets to touch. And so Mike wasn't the dominant ball hander. Then, then you know, the answering comes, J.P., and everybody's moaning, like, oh, man, what we, you know, what's happened here? And I've just been impressed just the way that he came back and he was able to play very well um, just before the COVID – stoppage I feel like from everything I've heard and listened to his zoom calls his zoom interviews he seems confident I think he understands he's worked with Quinn a lot of film and I think he understands the nuances of this system so let's see how it plays out starting uh, tomorrow night Um, Donovan's growth will be something I'll watch Uh, Rudy's relationship with Donovan the body language will be interesting too Uh, Jordan Clarkson Look, Dante had a great run of trying to stay healthy. I know that, you know, the Jazz wanted that to work. Sometimes it doesn't, as you know, uh, in business and in sports. But Clarkson, I don't know if I've run across a player in the Jazz in my 15 years that just fell onto the floor that just fit the puzzle piece. He was a great puzzle piece. And he's got the green light. He's athletic. And he never picks up the dribble. And he's, a, he's always a threat to score. Moutier's intrigued me. Uh, he's trying to not to turn the ball over as much. He came here to get better, and that's what the Jazz do with the players. And George Niang, I think, has grown, uh, you know, big steps in his last year or so. And then you got a couple of, uh, you know, outliers like um, uh, Mieoni and Brantley and Juwan Morgan who are there that could provide, obviously, depth, and then the other guy I'm thinking of right up to bat, too, is Tony Bradley's come a ton, a long way. And it's good to know that if Rudy would have a problem, Tony, I think, is more mentally prepared to be an NBA center. body's the better. And I think he's gained a lot of confidence this year. Uh, just uh, playing the post, I think he's a little rougher. Uh, he can take a punch or a push in the back and stay on his feet. So all those things, you know, bode well for the Jazz, honestly. They could be a I'll tell you, JP, I don't want to overplay it, but if they're mentally focused, the, the I think the best mentally prepared team in the end will stand. Those two teams in October, I'm going to applaud them because you go 70-plus days in a bubble and you overcome, you know, the mental challenge and being away from family for, for most much of it, You know, I think instead of an asterisk, I think they ought to be applauded for for the effort and say, great job, because mentally it's – I think the the team that's best prepared by their coach and the leaders of that team uh, will be the last two teams standing. You know what? Why not the Jazz? Yeah, they don't have Bogdanovich, but I still believe that what happened in Oklahoma City will have a bonding that no one can experience or understand unless you were there. And my experiences, I feel more bonded to them. I feel more bonded with the broadcast team because we went through it together. It's hard to explain because when you're hit over the head with the unknown, uh, you just have to react in the moment. And I think that's exactly what Quinn was able to give all of us, um, some assurance. And I think everybody grew up a lot that night. Look how old I am. I still grew up. <laughs> Well, and you grew uh, Fu Manchu. Looks yeah, great. I grew. Yeah, you can tell, man. Gray here, brown here. I don't know. I, it is what it is.
0: It's all going to come down to those matchups, and you can catch him along with the call on AT&T Sportsnet. It starts tonight. Suns Jazz, a scrimmage at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. His name is Craig Bowler, Jack. Craig, thank you so much for the time.
1: JP, it's fun. Appreciate the conversation, and uh, go Jazz.